Hundreds of hearts that beat as one. Grateful for all the house has done. Attention, attention. Welcome to the Western House Camp Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Walensky, former camper, staff member, and current operations director. For this very first special episode, we are going to devote entirely to an interview I had recently with famous West Ender, Jeremy Zucker. Jeremy was a camper and counselor from 2005 to 2014. He is a singer-songwriter who has over 300 million streams on Spotify and SoundCloud. The West End community eagerly awaits his first album, which will debut on April 17th. More importantly, Jeremy had a few Color War solos that led the Blue Doomsday to a song night victory, but an unfortunate .3 loss in the 2010 Color War. Here is my interview with Jeremy. I am here right now with a very special guest, well-known West Ender, Jeremy Zucker, who lives in Brooklyn. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Good, thanks. I'm, I'm really thankful that you uh, were willing to do the podcast with me. So I think most West Enders know that you are a well-known musician. Can you tell us a little bit about what you are working on now? I think I saw recently that you put out you put out a new song like a couple weeks ago. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I put out actually three songs in the past two months, and they're basically singles leading up to my debut album, which is coming out in a week and a half from today. It might be out when you put this up um, on April 17th. Basically, like typically, artists will... Um, release singles before an album to help promote it and to give some like lead up time to the release. Awesome. What's this is your first debut album? So the the other songs you've had have, have been mostly on YouTube and stuff. Kind of. Um, basically, I've been, yep. I've been putting out what's called EPs. They're basically short albums. I, you know, I'm saying debut sort of. It's it's my first like full length project, if that makes sense. I've I've been putting out music on spotify and and itunes and all like the legit platforms for you know the past couple years so this is the first time i'm having like a full length project on them got it so so what what record label are you with i'm with republic records they're under uh, universal music group oh cool we were talking um a minute before we started this and you're in you're in brooklyn right now obviously in the middle of this quarantine you're in the heart of it and could you tell us what it's like especially being a musician you normally would be doing concerts and going around and traveling like what is this like for you yeah well first of all i gotta apologize for all the street noises you might be hearing i'm walking home from my studio to my apartment um but it's it's pretty crazy i don't normally walk home because it's like two miles from my apartment but people don't really get in ubers here and everyone's sort of shocked up in their apartment and not going outside and people are wearing, you know, face masks. It's really strange in the city. My parents are living um, down the shore in New Jersey um, Mm -hmm. in Ventnor. And normally I would be down there with them, but it's sort of hard to like get out of the city. And obviously New York is like the, they're saying the epicenter now right? um, in the U S and there's so many cases and, it is really scary. A lot of artists can't really go on the road, obviously, because you can't get more than a couple people in a room. It's really scary. The only thing I can really do is like hang at home with my roommate and make music. Oh, I was just going to ask you that. And not that, you know, not to try to belittle how awful this situation has been, but oftentimes I've heard that musicians thrive in bad times. Is that, do you think that's true? <laughs> For a couple of different reasons, I do think that's true. Um, I yeah. think a 
a lot of artists tend to like write really good things when they're struggling the most. But on the other side, you know, the fact that everybody's quarantined and and trying to practice social distancing and and not like go out in public, certain kinds of artists are benefiting more than others. Like artists that can really do everything on their own, like me, are benefiting because I have all this time now. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of artists that need a producer to work with or need to write with songwriters or a host of other people that they need to help them to do what they're doing. They're, they're definitely struggling more than normal because they can't get into sessions and, and collaborate. And, and in some ways you probably are, are, are lucky as a musician that you're, you're pretty, you're very well established now. If this was Jeremy like five, six years ago during this, it'd be probably a, a much different story, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't even know what my life would have been like if this happened five years ago. Right. So I'm, I want to shift to, to camp uh, for a little bit. Is that okay with you? Of course. When was your first year at Weston House Camp and what brought you there? I mean, I know a lot of these answers, but I want to hear them from you. Yeah. So my first year was uh, 2004. I must have been nine years old, right? In 5A. Probably. Yeah. I, I always like struggle to remember exactly which years I was there, but I definitely did like, I think, eight years in a row. So I did... 2004 to 2012 then maybe i took a summer off and then came back for two does that sound right for you i don't even that does sound right to me uh and then i i think you coached color like the last two summers were there yeah i can't remember the order but i know you were on i because I, I know you're with your brother not to bring a bad point <laughs> you were on the uh frontier and you i think you were on oh you were definitely coached in 12 right on the chaos yeah i was i did chaos and frontier and i think you coached another time did you coach on their blue rain no, no, no. I wasn't here for that. Um, okay. I did, so that was the one you weren't? I was Chaos and Frontier. Was I with my brother? Was I with Todd both times? Yes, I and think so. Definitely on the Frontier. We lost both times. And yep. one of them, we got blown out of the water, I remember. Yeah. Where the other team went 600 Club. I forgot which one that was. They were the Rumble. Yeah, that was rough. That was. I think that, yeah, that was my last year at camp, too. After that, I was like, oh, my God, I can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I always wondered if the camp hired like a uh, analytics expert to like, like is the retention worse for like teams that get destroyed in color war versus teams that win color war, or is it just a non-factor? I remember 1990, which is the worst color war ever. I just feel like a lot of the blue cartel campers just didn't come back in 91. Like they were so embarrassed by I would not be how surprised. much of a debacle that was. I would not be surprised by that, especially if you're like, if you're <laughs> on the edge between coming back or not the next summer, if you like lose horribly, definitely might make you not want to come back <laughs> yeah well, thankfully there hasn't been that many of those so when did your brothers come to camp so for those who don't know jeremy like me is the youngest of three brothers that have been to camp so when did your brothers start coming to camp before me definitely i i don't i mean i was really young so i don't really remember but i know they were both there it might have been 2002 that they were both there mm-hmm. todd is three years older than me and neil's five years older than me all i remember is like the rough riders and them singing the songs like that's the only real memory I have from <laughs> them going to camp before me. That's so funny. And you were you weren't even there uh, at that point, were you? No, I wasn't. That's so funny. I, I I could tell you I could sing right now. Color songs that my brothers were on before I went to camp as well because just that's all I knew. Right. So how did the, how did the Zucker family? You guys are from New Jersey. How did you guys even find out about Weston Hills Camp? That's an interesting one. The story that I was told was my parents found it. Like I think online but at the same time mm-hmm. we had a family friend who 
who went. Um, Neil Schreier. Oh, Neil. I know Neil. Yeah, Neil Schreier is uh, a very is a great alum. He does was it? He does Zoom. He does the biking. He's on Facebook. Oh, a lot. He does spin class. Yeah, and he spin class. He's been excuse like me. playing. Excuse he's me. been yeah. like playing my songs in the spin class. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Know, I didn't never knew that connection. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's, Shout yeah, out he's to a Neil. good friend of my parents, and our families are, are good friends as well. That's awesome. I probably knew that at some point. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, so you said you were at camp for about eight years, and you haven't been to Old Timers Week, right? You've been busy starting your music career. So when you were at camp, what were your favorite activities to do? Like, what got you most excited? I loved sailing. I remember, like, we would always beg whoever was in charge of Waterfront to let us go sailing that day. Man, I, I really loved Color War. Obviously, I think everyone does. Color War and Desert War. That's, like, that was the craziest thing about that I think – West End did for me was really foster a positive sense of competition. I was like never the best kid at sports. And I think it was like through West End that I like got confidence in playing sports and like learned to push myself and to really try harder because in color war, like you get pushed so hard in a good way to like do the best that you possibly can. Yeah. I don't know. Just, I think like it, it taught me a lot. Like it taught me just how to, like how to really push myself and and to go out of my comfort zone in that way. Yeah, I remember when you were a high senior, you were kind of an under the radar guy. I mean, everyone knew you because you were your brothers and you were there forever. Like I, when I say under the radar, I mean like athletically, but you had a huge high senior year. And if I recall, you were a year younger than the rest of the group. I was, yeah. And I don't I don't want to like put this against you personally, but as Call War is coming up, there are rumors that I was going to be high senior captain. And <laughs> I like heard that everybody was vouching for me. And then that you shot it down because you said I had another year as a camper, even when, like, I knew I was coming back as a CIT. And the next year I came back as a CIT. Oh, no. <laughs> I, well, I got to say, though, that is, that is definitely a stance I usually take. And, it, it's, and I've taken that on several people. There's been several, like, really good 14-year-olds. And it's tough because we want – our campers to be 15 now we're, now we, we we hold like campers have to be 15 like there's no like coming out early like uh, as if it's like the ncaa basketball because we want older counselors so to have right i mean there's some people like you and jonah rapport that that were that are able to handle the 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 job of a cit at a younger age but i think it's just just to, it's just easier to say you know what you got to be you got to be 16 years old to be a cit and so it's just been easier but i totally see your point yeah, I remember Thibaut Rochette, shout out to Thibaut uh, from France, was really, really angry because he wanted you to be a captain. Yeah. But you were, you were a high senior. I just realized this. You were a high senior on the same team as Tony Adams, right? I was. I think that was uh, Blue Doomsday. Yeah, not to make you feel uncomfortable. I think you're probably two of the two most well-known West Enders yeah, like, in the last no, 20 okay, years. The reason I was really upset was because Tony Adams was 14, too. Oh, good that's point. Why we were, that's why there was all that drama, I think. Oh, you got yeah. me. I can't even defend myself on that. You're just right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, for, I but, forgive you, Ryan. You know what? I, I will defend myself because you weren't 6'3", uh, 275 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's true. But, no, you got me on that one. That's, oh, that's really funny. But I want to get to – I'm going to get to that one later. What, what about a camp? Like, what's your – did you have, like, a favorite meal at camp? Like, I love talking camp food with oh, people. Oh, Egg McWestends. I think those are my favorite – that's so funny you just said that. Uh, I was talking I, on the pod. I, ha, I have um, I had Matt Conley. We both agreed that that was that was our favorites too. Dude, yeah, I love I love um, uh, still to this day. I love me a bacon egg and cheese. That's like a New York staple. Yeah, what's a meal like you just were like? Oh, not that one. Um, 
I I really didn't like. I think when it was just hamburgers and hot dogs. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't like them cooked on the grill like that. I think one of the most underrated meals was meatloaf. Honestly, I thought I thought the meatloaf was bomb, <laughs> and like I feel like people always hated on it, but I loved it. Was that during the uh, the Lee the yeah, Cook era? Yeah, no, that's a common take. Is that during the Lee Lee the Cook era that that the meatloaf was just outstanding? Yeah. That and like the scalloped potatoes, I, those were always great. I feel like. Did you sure you didn't talk to Matt Connolly? Because that's like exactly what Matt Connolly was saying. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So what keeps you what keeps you connected to camp? You haven't been your last year was probably like eight years ago now. Like what keeps you connected with camp and your camp friends and your camp crew? I, I know you still keep in touch with Jonah Rappaport. Yeah, um in college, my junior year I studied abroad in London and so Jonah went to Syracuse and a lot of my uh, really good friends from home went to Syracuse as well. Jonah was in the Bandier program, which is um, like music industry program over there. And my best friend, Danny, was in that same program. And Jonah studied in London when he was a junior as well. And so we hung out a lot over there. We've always sort of just been connected after camp through mutual friends and through music stuff because he works at a record label now. It's really just Jonah that I that I keep in contact with. I'm in like a couple of group me's. Um, and I see like Jake Ryder's pop up, Jake Ryder's name pop up every once in a while. And Kept in touch with Eric Lesser, good amount. He's in the there. He's in yeah, the city in the too, city, right? Yeah. Oh my god, I saw um, Brian Rock came to my New York show, I think. And I okay, I did a show in Atlanta a year and a half ago, and Shivers was in the crowd, and I like saw him during the show, <laughs> and like afterwards I went out to see where he was, and he had already left, but we like chatted on the phone after. Yeah, he's a is he's he's a flight attendant, I think. Oh, right? I think That's so. so cool. Yeah, he's he's pretty. He's pretty big in the Instagram game. He, yeah, he, I think he's a Whoa, flight attendant. That's crazy. When you did the Boston show, I was I was gonna go, and I I forget why there was like that date was just bad for me. But well, you must see a lot of West Enders at your shows. Yeah, well, so right? my touring history has kind of been a little over the place. So I've only done one show in Boston, and it was I can't remember the name of like the area, but it was like a two hundred fifty cap venue, and there wasn't a backstage or a green room. Like before the whole show, I was basically just like sitting in our van which we use to like drive around the country it's like sitting in the van that we have like been living out of for like five hours before the show in the parking lot of the venue like (laughs) so that was like that was a fun show but a weird one i don't really remember who i saw because i had a lot of family there i don't know if you remember john lipschutz my cousin fellow yeah yes yeah he was there yeah of course yeah um because he's from boston um but yeah i had a lot of family and a lot of friends there um, like from outside of camp, so between the whole in the van the whole time before the show, and then the small venue, and like I couldn't even find a place to go to the bathroom because the only bathroom was in the venue, like in the middle of the crowd, and I couldn't walk into the crowd that I was like about to play a show in front of because they all knew who I was. So man, right. early days, it's it, it was weird, but yeah. So I haven't <laughs> been to, back to Boston to play a show since. Yeah. Okay. What's your funniest thing that happened you at camp or a really funny story that you like to tell? I have a memory that makes you smile, actually. When uh, Rashad Pujat was my counselor, I want to say in like 2A, he would play Kanye West's 808s and Heartbreaks every single day. And like he was honestly my introduction into like listening to Kanye at that age. And I like fell in love with those songs. Oh, he also showed me T-Pain like buy you a drink 
And every time I like listen to those songs from that moment onward, I was brought back to 2A. Yeah, I don't know. The only person that like that really gets it is Jonah because we like <laughs> went through that together. What was the name of the Kanye song um, you, you Paranoid. said? The album was 808s and Heartbreaks. Nice. The song was Paranoid. The one that I remember the most. Yeah. Um, but something funny, you know, when Mo was my counselor, when I was in the fives, but he would like, I don't even know if it was first bell or second bell, but he would be like, everybody up to the counselor ring. And we'd all be like, dude, it's not the counselor ring, it's the counselor ring. And he just like wouldn't get out of bed. And he would like yell at us from his bed during cleanup. You know, he was a character. <laughs> Mo's a legend. He's still coming oh, really? this week. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I remember Mo just like circle of light. I remember Mo when he was like literally in like five mm-hmm. A. He mellowed out like he was very energetic five uh, A guy, and he just he probably had a good like 13, 14, 15 yeah. year run of camp. Yeah. You had a couple rough uh, color wars as a coach, but what was uh, what's what your favorite color war memory? Um, this isn't one that I was specifically involved in, but it came to mind. Do you know the picture of Brian Rock screaming at? Of course, what, what's the, what's I know exactly. Name? Yeah, at uh, Raymond, Raymond Wu. Wu. Was, Raymond I Wu. think I saw this on Facebook like a year or two ago. Isn't there a picture of Raymond Wu screaming at a camper like the same exact way? So during tug of war. <laughs> so now you made you put me in my happy place. I staged that picture oh, this really? summer. I two summers ago I meant to do it because Raymond was a color war coach. And for those of you who don't know, there was this legendary picture of Brian Rock. You could say yelling, but he was really cheering I mean, him on, really yeah, motivating, motivating yeah. Raymond to pull to pull the tug of war rope a little closer. It's just a legendary picture. It was like all over the internet. I think there were memes <laughs> yeah. of it. And like, if you, if you Google, uh, I, I forget, there's like certain words, like if you Google like tug of war intense or something like that, it'll, it's one of the first oh my pictures gosh, that I come up. That. So I, I'm like, you know what? We're staging the reverse. So this summer I had Raymond Wu yelling, uh, you know, motivating some camper. Like it was totally staged. Like I think we did it after the fact. Oh no, no, I'm wrong. We, we did it in real time. We did it in real time, and, and during the tug of war, we and then we put the two pictures next to each other. It's just incredible. That was really a historical moment. Were, were you involved in that tug of um, war? I don't remember. Do you do you know what color war that was? Brian coached uh, on the on the doomsday. So I oh. bet you that was it. I bet you it was twenty ten oh, wow. on the doomsday. I was, I, you know, I was gonna say you're 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 a pretty humble person, but I, I remember and correct me if I'm wrong. You, I think you pulled a huge upset in the high senior dash. Uh, you either beat or tied uh, Jacob Sands. Oh or something yeah, like that. Am yeah. I, am I, I remembering did, that I right? Everyone knew Jacob Sands. Jacob Sands is like the fastest, having the fastest dash out of the high seniors. I think I yeah, mm-hmm. I think I did beat him. I was definitely good at like at the dash. I was horrible at anything in the in the water. Except, Except for Sam. Right? Yeah, I'm just well, I, I definitely remember <laughs> being like really afraid of of tracking. Was it tracking swim? Is that the day? Um, mm-hmm. Just because yeah. I knew like how hard I was going to push myself. I don't know. Just like the anticipation leading up to like a big race was just crazy for me. What was your favorite team you were? On? Um, my favorite team that I was. I mean, I really, really, even though it was my first year, I might be biased. I love the White Frat. That team has so much nostalgia for me. I honestly like probably had no okay. idea what was actually going on because <laughs> I was just like a little <laughs> dumb kid. But um, my, okay. I, I, as so, a coach, so, my follower entrance, I think it was White Chaos. I think I dressed up as like V for Vendetta. If you know that movie, and no, I, and I'm I came lame. Out, I came out. Um, <laughs> so basically, I think somebody was driving the boat, and I was like hiding in the bottom of the boat, and they drove the boat into the dock. Oh, I had like these smoke bombs go off. 
like so it created like a wall of smoke that I walked through with my mask and I was holding these like fake daggers and I like threw them onto the ground all the kids were really hyped when we were jumping around and after the entrance like I noticed that like the, the fake knives were missing and Bill had like taken them and like yelled at me so hard afterwards <laughs> and I was like I was like they're fake like I'm, I'm sorry he's like, and I don't know he's just freaking out on me but that was like a crazy moment. Oh, man. So you kind of answered this question a little bit. Is, is there another life lesson that you learned while you were at Western House Camp? Like hearing my, my friends' experiences who went to different camps or co-ed camps, how much like drama there was and how like crazy the social scene was. I'm so grateful that like I just remember being a kid at West End, like the culture was you could walk up to anyone and like just say hi and even like any kid was like included in most situations and like you could just walk up to a stranger and just like call them by their last name and like be friends with them that's so true and i think it's like what makes our camp unique is we're yeah, small everyone enough everybody knows literally yeah. knows everybody one of the advantages of ha- one of the many advantages of having all boys camp is that i just feel like people aren't like putting on a show for like mm-hmm. trying to impress anybody they're just everyone is just who they are at camp and i think that's what one of the things that makes us totally uh, unique. So I get to ask, and I'm only going to ask you this because you're obviously an, the, an expert on this. What's your favorite color song? Oh, my favorite color song. There's like a couple songs that I still mess up the actual words to the actual song because I like knew the color words. <laughs> One of them was, um, this must have been like 2005, 2006, but I think the alma mater was Do You Remember by Jack Johnson. I always mess that one up because of the yeah. color war lyrics <laughs> you may or may not be aware but i think this past color yeah, war, one I, of your songs was used i heard that too i don't know which one or like what for but i definitely remember that i think it was i think it was a, it was for an alma mater and i don't i don't know which one um that's a good question though what about so in you when you were in gottlieb you you had a couple solos correct um i think so war? yeah i don't remember i don't remember what they were though honestly song night was kind of traumatizing for me <laughs> well, I, so I want to get to that since you mentioned it. So one of the, you know, I've been back at camp. I've been at camp for a total of 25 years. And one of the saddest moments was the announcement of the point three color war because I was running that color war with Jason Cohen and we tabulated the numbers after song night. We knew it was close. We ran the numbers and we're like, uh-oh. And we saw that one day that the uh, white crew had won by 0.3. So we literally went through every single number again and again. And everyone in the mess hall was getting restless, like, guys, what are you doing? We're like, and we didn't want to say what was taking us so long, but we triple checked the numbers. And we, so we, when, when Jason Cohen entered the mess hall to deliver the crazy news, I actually couldn't even go in the mess hall. I felt so bad, especially for like the coaches and the high seniors. Like I couldn't even enter the mess hall. So I just stood on the porch during that announcement. So what was that like to be in the losing end of the closest color war of um, all time as a high senior? I think, like, like, obviously it felt pretty horrible, but I think the only thing I can, I can compare it to is getting blown out of the water as a coach. And it felt way better than that. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Cause that's like a, that's like an ongoing like sports argument. Like, are you, is it better to get killed where like, we didn't have a chance we deserve to lose or to lose a heartbreaker? You're like, no, oh, I, th- I think it it's so I mean, for me, it's way easier to win, a re- to lose a really, really close one because you know that you gave it all you got and that like both. Well, right. You know. Yeah, totally. 
I understand. I, I guess I'm just somebody who like uh, goes back and like nitpicks like, oh, if we just done that, if we just had done that difference. So what are your thoughts on Bill Margot and his legacy uh, at West End House Camp in your personal um, relationship with um, him through the years? You know, Bill has Bill is, is one of those people that like it's almost like he's superhuman. You know, my like earliest memory, obviously people called him Snoopy. Um, I don't know if they still do. Of just, course. Like yeah. seeing the way he would be like roaming the camp at night and oh my god the scary stories were so good and so it's like he played this like dual (laughs) role where like everyone knew we were in the safest hands when bill was around um but he also like tried his best to like scare us but in like a really playful joking way but also like he was serious i think everyone like felt safe with bill if that makes sense he is like such a role model in that regard and yeah, he's just such a funny, great, caring guy. He is. I love giving Bill a hard time. <laughs> like his howevers he does during the auction, I just think are hysterical. Like you have like these like 10, uh, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kids who just like worked for like three hours cleaning up an area. And Bill just, <laughs> however. Bill just picking them apart. <laughs> he's like, oh, you, however, you left this there. You left, I mean, I don't know what you were doing there. Yep. Like nine-year-old kids yep. like, oh, he's hysterical. So this is like a kind of a sappy question, but like, what does it mean to you to be like considered like one of the boys? You're one of the boys or always one of the boys. Um, I think it it sort of relates to what I said before about how when you're a camper, you know, you're sort of friends with everyone and everybody knows each other. I think that sort of mentality carries on past being a camper to where like, even if you've never met someone and you know that they were a camper at West End, like you have this connection and you both understand this very awesome and shaping place that we both experienced. The The more experiences I have, the more I sort of realize how nothing is like, no place is like West End in the sense that it is so extremely unique the way that it felt like home going back every summer, you know? It's just like so familiar. Yeah. And then the fact that new faces come in every year, like brighten it up every year. Every summer. Very well put. What do you like? What do you think that like? Why do you think it's so unique in that way? Like, what do you think it is is about camp um, that makes it? I think it's that two way? things. I think it's the tradition and the fact that it's been around for so long, and and the alumni and counselors and campers are also passionate in the moment. And then I think the other part of it is literally the fact that it's so small and that everybody can know each other, and it's like the soul of camp is like living and breathing with everyone because everybody knows each other and. Nothing gets forgotten. Funny stories are told down generation. Like, I like I still, even like when, <laughs> I, when I see Jonah occasionally, like I still, we still talk about the story of like Lee Rappaport. Was it um, Mark Sands was Lee Rappaport's counselor? Like I still I still think about that story of like Lee Rappaport, you know, walking in with like a little afro, and and Mark Sands is like the counselor giving him a hard time. Like, I still think about, and the fact that that happened, I don't even know how many years ago. Like, yeah, I just think the, the way stories are told across generations and, like, the way memories are shared, I think also really makes camp special. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, those plaques in the mess hall, the fact that everyone sees them and talks about them. And, yeah, there, there's a lot of really special things about camp. I mean, just to take what you just said and to think about it, like, so, so you have Mark Sands, who was our waterfront director for many years, and 
he, you know, he was a counselor. He's giving uh, Lee Rappaport a hard time. And then, you know, fast forward, I don't know, 30 years. And now <laughs> Lee's son, Jonah, is working for Mark at the waterfront. <laughs> Just an amazing circle, circle of life. But that's what, you know, that's what camp is. Mm-hmm. It's everybody knows each other and there's always a connection somewhere. Do you have an example of like a totally random camp connection? Like, you know, you're... I don't know. You're in some obscure country and you just run into somebody um, from camp or something yeah, like that. Let me see if I get the details right. So this must have been eight years ago. My brothers, well, my whole family, we went on vacation, I think like to the Dominican Republic, maybe 10 years ago. And we're on the yeah. beach and we run into the Avergons. <laughs> it was just a, like, I think they were even like at the same resort as us. And it was just, it was a freaky coincidence. I must have been like, 13 or 14 or 15 or something it was just really funny to see that it's always like surreal seeing a camp friend out of context you know early on i don't know what it is like camp feels like a different world you know totally it's like i always have a hard time like on uh the camp i I don't know being from new jersey if you were able to go to the camp breakfast but that's always a struggle Mm -hmm. because like i do know every kid's name in camp and they're like the camp breakfast i'm like right yeah because like they have a full set of hair they're like dress nicer and it's just like really you know as, as opposed to just wearing a t-shirt and a pair of shorts like really hard to like yeah match things up out of context totally okay is there anything else that you that i didn't ask you that you wanted to bring um, up about your experience at camp not really i think we touched on a, a lot of stuff i was afraid i wasn't gonna like remember everything properly because my memory is really awful but yeah that, that, dug, that dug up a lot of really pleasant and fun times Awesome. I just thought of another random question because I like I like taking people's mm-hmm. expertise and like getting digging a little bit more. So if you were if you were a color war coach in 2020 or let's say and you were in charge uh, of a song that like what would you now that you like are like a professional musician, what would you I mean, I have my theories, but I'm, I'm curious what a musician would say about like what would you do differently than see, I, than what is so I thought done about by this the color coach camper and a coach. on song night. Just because the like tradition of how song night is done, it's, I mean, I feel like this is a, a constant debate in so many different areas, but like, do you stick to tradition and do things the way they're supposed, that they've been done in the past and proven to work? Or do you try to do something different and shatter people's expectations and wow them? And I, I feel like song night is always a balance of that. So I, I think like that's yep. the key for it. I think the biggest part is that the judges are old campers. So, like, they want to see an element of familiarity. So, I think the key right. is, like, staying with tradition, but, like, including a couple of things that are super out of the ordinary. Um, I remember, like, when it might have been White Champions was, like, the first year there was an instrument in Song Night. Or maybe, maybe I don't know. That's what it seemed like at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but including stuff like that was really cool. I just think you have to have somebody on the team that, like, really gets music in that way because i've seen it done like horribly wrong <laughs> yeah yeah you're better off not doing it than doing 100 percent. somebody who yeah. doesn't have the skills to do it i always i always get mad at the coaches because like the skit for example like they'll do a bunch of inside jokes about things that happened this summer and i'm like and you just nailed it like the judges yeah. weren't here this summer they don't know what you're talking about i'm like stick to right. picking on Except, bill steve and i because everybody knows the three of us wasn't or um, danny wasn't walsh Jonah or a song or that judge like that. recently yeah, he was. I don't remember. I don't know. I don't think it was this past. Because it must have only been like a couple of years might have been the one last year. I think he was. Um, I remember like the, the rules for that were pretty strict. Like, yeah. I think the rule was you couldn't know anyone. As a song I judge, you couldn't know any of the campers. 
Yeah, we've become more flexible on that. I, I think the only real rule we try to do is like right. the judges should not be like related to anybody that is that is within color. And I think that's totally fair. Even even though I, I do not think a judge would be like, oh, that's my nephew. I'm going to make them win. I think, it, in fact, it would actually probably go the other way. They'd be afraid of that. And so they'd probably favor the other team. Just just they wouldn't be accused of uh, of anything. But yeah, no, I, 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 there's, I, I think the kids, I really believe the kids yeah. want to see their former counselors more than anything. Like they're pumped yeah. to see Jonah, you know, Judge Sognite or uh, Jack Lesser did it recently and James Dunley did it recently. And, and I think the kids were just like, oh my goodness, those two, right. you know, because those are their heroes. And I just think that's probably yeah. the best Matt, way to be, choose judges. It'd be judges. fun to, to be a judge, a songwriter yeah. judge. <laughs> oh, I would do anything to get you, uh, get you, yeah. get you to be a judge. That would be incredible. That would be totally incredible. We'll have to talk uh, maybe sometime if yeah, I could give you the dates at, uh, on a particular year. And if you can do it, great. Okay. I don't want yeah, to take up any more time. Me, Thank you so much. This, this was awesome. really fun. Um, covered a lot. And good luck. I know things are uh, tough in New York City. So good luck. And um, looking forward to the album. And hopefully everyone, especially camp guys, April 17th. go and check it out. All right. Thanks, awesome. Ryan. Take care. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Stay Appreciate safe. it. See you. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, West End. All lights out. Thank you for listening to the West End Host Camp Podcast. If you have any questions or topics to discuss, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Email them to me at ryan.wehc at gmail.com or you can send me a message, a voice message, to anchor.fm backslash westendhousecamp backslash message. And remember... As long as the sun is in the sky, the spirit of the house will never die. Rip, 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 rap, rap, rap. West End House. West End House. Yeah!